Welcome to CBO Speaks, a podcast from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO John Walda, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is for you to gain greater insight into the challenges and rewards of the Chief Business Officer role. Find out more from today's episode at www.nakubo.org. This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CBO Speaks. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Megan Strand, your host today, and I am very excited to be joined by Stacey Pearson, Vice President for Finance and Administration at Boise State University. Welcome, Stacey. Thank you. I wonder if you could start us off today by sharing the story of how you originally came to work in higher education. It wasn't a planned career uh, for me in higher education, but basically I had moved from Alaska to Boise, Idaho, And I applied for a job at the Idaho State Board of Education as uh, uh, internal auditor. And I ended up getting the job. And that was my very first job in higher education. Wow. And so was that your first job right out of uh, your schooling, whatever that was? It was not. I actually worked for a a corporation for a few years. And then I worked for the um, legislature in Alaska and then for a state agency in Alaska. So this was the very first time that I had a job in higher education. And when you first were exposed to that higher education community, what were the challenges with it? I mean, every environment has a challenge. So what what did you find that was different from maybe your experience in government or in private sector? Um, Definitely a different culture as well as the subject matter was different. So even something as basic as the accounting rules, uh, higher education actually had different rules Uh, than I had ever dealt with before. It wasn't that they weren't difficult to learn, but uh, they were new nonetheless, as well as their financial reporting. And then uh, this is probably not unique to higher education. It was just a different culture. So I spent a little time trying to understand how that worked. I worked in uh, a board office, so there were multiple uh, colleges and universities that reported to that board office and also had to submit information and I would make information requests. And I I definitely learned about the different operating styles of uh, different campus personnel and, you know, what works for one campus. Maybe the question has to be asked differently or requested differently of another campus. So I just listened very carefully. I also realized um, it's a political environment. You know, there's a there's, um, you know, interest in uh, moving one's agenda ahead. And so I had to be a very careful listener as well as astute as to maybe what was going on. Outside of being a good listener, what resources did you turn to to try to help you navigate that new culture? Well, I really had to get to know the industry. So um, definitely Nakubo early on, uh, both the Business Officer magazine, as well as just uh, I read a lot of information at each of the institutions, um, financial reports, um, bond rating reports, that type of thing. So I just spent a lot of time both in terms of research, reading, as well as talking to people 
uh, and taking advantage of professional development opportunities. I, I really found that to be very useful. I started at uh, the Idaho State Board of Education. I was there about six years. And as I said, uh, interesting things about that job is I was there, the board's first internal auditor and re literally they asked me to develop an audit program that encompassed all of the campuses and agencies that reported to them. And I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what was important to them and develop an audit program. And um, at the end of six years, I had actually applied at a position with the chancellor's office for the Oregon University system uh, and uh, ended up taking a position there in which there were um, seven campuses in that system. So I the difference was I had a staff and, uh, and as well as a responsibility for a larger group of institutions and also helped with the implementation of their, um, back then it was the banner finance system across those multiple campuses. So it was really an interesting move. Even though I was at a system office at both places, um, the, the Oregon system was, you know, much larger system. So, and um, my experience was a lot broader there. And while I was working there, I received a call from the, uh, the then director of human resources at Boise State. And she inquired as if I would be interested in uh, applying for an associate vice president position at Boise State. Um, they remembered me from uh, some audit work that I had done on the campus. And so, I applied for it and I ended up getting it and came to Boise State in 1995 as the Associate Vice President for Finance and Administration. And what do you think that wider purview gave you working at the, the both in Oregon and Idaho before you went directly into a, one specific university? Well, I think it was very beneficial for me to be able to um, kind of experience that central that central office experience where I was able to look at a lot of policy decisions and get involved in policy development, as well as learning the um, maybe the operations and culture of many different types of institutions. Mm -hmm. So I think it was very valuable from that standpoint. And of course, when I came to Boise State, they have their own issues and their, their own cultures. But I do think I brought um, a, a much different perspective, having had that background and experience. So there were a lot of things that I had, um, you know, where there were similar issues that I had seen at some of the other campuses that I worked with. The difference at Boise State was I needed to go in and uh, you know, take a key role and solve them. So <laughs> probably a good, uh, a good next move. What were some of the first issues that you found yourself grappling with at Boise State? Um, definitely financial systems. We had a homegrown system here. And again, the perspective I had of helping with the implementation of the, the banner system at the um, Oregon University system was really helpful because I could, um, it really helped me to evaluate the different approaches to solving that problem and mm -hmm. to identifying a system. Uh, then the hard part of setting up the project to actually do the system implementation. And we were in a Y2K situation in which the homegrown system was not going to translate into the, you know, the year 2000 very <laughs> oh. well. Um, so I think that it actually helped. And I, I honestly, I got a lot more involved in that implementation, I think, because of that background. 
Well, you definitely have a solid accounting background, but what other skills do you feel like you've had to really develop or nurture in yourself as you've sort of come up through the ranks? Um, the, the, the accounting background helped a lot, but uh, budgeting was one. Uh, budgeting is a lot different than accounting and certainly in a state system where you have to understand where are their key revenues coming from and, you know, what are the, how do you identify and manage those types of revenues? And over time in my career, uh, I took on a lot of different responsibilities. I just mentioned the, we ended up implementing a PeopleSoft system and I, uh, I managed the project for the initial go round. Um, we were naive enough to actually implement finance, HR, and student all at the same time. Not oh something gosh. I would recommend <laughs> going forward. Um, so I, I've actually um, spent a lot of my career in IT-related functions. And then when I became the vice president, I also um, had human resources reporting to me. And so even though I had at that point done a lot of supervision and at, and performance evaluation, uh there was a steep learning curve for me in actually managing and overseeing human resources. And how did you, I'd asked the question earlier, but how did you sort of get up to speed when it came to human resource issues and what resources did you find really helpful? Um, I went to the same things. I started looking <laughs> at uh, Nakubo, Wakubo. I, I, you know, when I would see a training opportunity come along, I would take advantage of it. I talked to a lot of people, a lot of human resources, resource professionals, both within higher education and outside of higher education. I really had to um, study a, a lot of the compliance issues, and I ended up uh, working with legal staff a lot, to be quite honest. But it's been uh, it's been very rewarding. But I was really quite honestly, surprised at kind of the depth and breadth of, of human resources as a profession. And uh, I've really enjoyed getting involved in it. And and also, you know, it gave me the opportunity to just learn an, another side of the higher education business and certainly, um, you know, faculty policies and things like that. So, um, but, you know, the good thing is, is there's a lot of resources out there and there are a lot of people who are willing to help other professionals and other um, other campuses, uh, their human resource leadership. I really found a, a wealth of information. Well, certainly there's a, a lot of complexity to the CBO role in terms of what specifically you need to know, but there's also a lot of soft skills. What would you say are the most important soft skills in being a successful CBO? Um, I, I'm sure that you hear this a lot, but but communications, I would say, is key. And and when I say communications, it's uh, it's listening, it's speaking, it's uh, understanding that you really have to know your audience, be it one person you're meeting with or a group of people. Um, you know, I've I've learned the term emotional intelligence maybe later in my career. But, you know, what it means to me is that combination of skills where, where you listen and interpret and pick up those subtle um, communication mechanisms to, to determine if something is going well or being well received or isn't. And then um, to investigate an issue until you feel like you really understand what the issue is and then try to solve it. When you look back over your role as a CBO and your tenure as a CBO, can you share a particular moment of pride? 
there are particular moments of pride. I mean, I'll even go back to the system implementation. That was such a uh, very difficult situation where we just didn't have a lot of the background and knowledge that we needed to to successfully implement a system on that timeline. And I think when we were successful, there really was something to celebrate. And it wasn't as though the challenges were over, but I think we learned a lot about how we could work together as a group, as well as how to uh, um, problem solve. You know, we we started a methodology for identifying and solving problems. So that, w- that was certainly a large success. But I would say, um, the, the things that I have the most pride in is the development of a lot of people that have worked for me and either gone on um, within the organization or external to the organization and been very successful because I started realizing what an impact that I and others could have on someone's success and, you know, kind of identifying talents and then helping them uh, improve their skills and, you know, just working with people on on getting promotions and taking on additional responsibilities. So I think those those are um, some things that I'm proud of. But as part of, in particular to Boise State University, um, we just grew so rapidly in the time frame that I was here. And I think I'm very proud to be part of a, a successful university that has really raised both its um, academic standards and and uh, research success and really have enjoyed being part of that and being part of the how do we move this institution forward with those challenges of, uh, you know, not enough, never enough money, of course, and um, always uh, too much to do. Can you um, talk about a a pivotal moment that maybe you think really changed what it meant to be a CBO, something that happened to all CBOs that really changed the definition of that role? Yeah, I I can think of something that, uh, as you indicated, uh, a lot of us went through, and that was uh, the recession. I I realized the impact of, um, you know, how many people were reliant on the university's leadership to lead this institution through that difficult time, significant loss of funding, um, and the need to manage resources and reserves and to develop, you know, personnel approaches and policies. And all around us, in our state anyway, um, there were layoffs and um, the state actually had put their employees on furlough and one of the universities had. And and we worked really hard because we were actually experiencing a lot of enrollment growth during that time to um, figure out how to get ourselves through a couple of years without having to do those types of actions. We certainly, you know, slowed down our hiring process, but we were able to utilize our reserves and some of the um, the other tools available to us to keep from having to do some of those drastic actions. And I think what I realized is what an important role it is for a CBO to get an institution through a period of financial crisis and um, think about the stability. And of course, that had a lot to do with the planning and the policies that we had had in place prior to the recession, because I don't think um, we an- we anticipated, you know, quite the impact that it would have. And we were really able to weather that. And I also found out how important it is to be visible, to be communicating, to be alleviating a lot of the fears that people 
we're experiencing. So we did many um, campus-wide presentations with the president, myself, and the provost. And, and I, I came to understand that part of your role is to provide, in a sense, comfort, even though you know there's you perhaps can't solve everything, but bringing forward knowledge, being honest about, you know, the things that 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 you can solve and some of the challenges that you're working on. I just found that it really, um, you know, brought the campus together and it it helped develop a trust as well as a, um, a sense of people really working together. You know, the campus understood the gravity of the problem because it wasn't just our institution, but they were really looking to us to um, as leadership to to get the institution through that crisis. What are you doing now in your job that you never imagined you'd be doing 10 years ago? Well, um, man, a lot of things, uh, <laughs> a lot of, you know, uh, public private partnerships. We've worked on, uh, we've, uh, actually closed on a couple of projects this year alone when before it was always something that, oh, well, the university can probably do this less expensively, but that whole environment has changed. You know, we need to preserve debt capacity. So, so we are doing a housing project with a, par- a private partner. Um, and then uh, also just community relationships. We're in, the, we're in a metropolitan area, and so we're doing a lot more partnerships with the city of Boise. Um, a lot of um, working with our, our governing board on policy issues. They've really reached out to involve some of the CBOs to, to help with those types of policy issues. I have a, a performing arts center that reports to me, so I've learned a lot about um, promotions and ticketing and travel. And, you know, <laughs> those weren't things I had um, really thought that I would be dealing with. I find it very fascinating, though. You know, um, universities are like small towns or mm. communities, maybe even in some cases, large ones. So, you, you know, we run housing, we run dining. And uh, what I have to say about a career in higher ed is it's never a dull moment, I must <laughs> say. What other advice do you have for people who are maybe just entering academia as a professional? Well, I would say this is it's it's a a wonderful and honorable profession. I mean, really what we're all about is uh, improving lives, you know, helping students come into the university and and get a good a really good education and go on to a career as well as the, you know, as um giving our own employees a great career path. And so it, it's, to start off with, I think it's something to be uh, very positive about in terms of an industry to be in. But then, you know, just there's all sorts of challenges out there and to develop your problem-solving skills, regardless, I mean, whether it's a financial issue, a personnel issue, a funding issue, you know, it's just how do you walk through your your problem solving, and then who do you enlist as your sounding board? Um, I rely a lot on mentors and colleagues to kind of talk through an issue and see if, you know, maybe we can come up with the best solution. So um, I, it's been a great career for me, and I really, really enjoy the people, and I enjoy um, the ability to, to again, try to solve a problem that I think is, is something that is a very worthwhile endeavor. 
It sounds like you have a very solid uh, network of other of other CBOs. But what would you say, and what do you hear from your colleagues, is the biggest challenge that all CBOs are facing today? There's a few, but one of them is the funding issue. Our whole financial model is changing. There's not going to be a lot of capacity for increasing um, tuition and those types of things. We have in many parts of the country uh, a flattening enrollment. So how do we change our business model and our operating model, to be quite honest, in, in order to meet these challenges, probably to be a lot more nimble and responsive Then we have been, you know, what types of programs are going to appeal to students, the working student who, you know, can only or who might be place bound and not be able to come to class. And, you know, how do you put that mix together and make sure that it's financially sustainable and then um, be fairly nimble in making decisions about things that should go forward and seek and get more investment and those that need to be wound down? That's not something we've done a lot in the past in higher ed, that is to close down programs. And of course, we've had to take a a lot closer look these days. Are there any resources that are maybe outside the norm that you look to for inspiration when it comes to being innovative innovative or nimble? Um, I certainly look outside my industry. I've been working a lot with um, uh, um, our Oracle partnership. Mm. And we also, so a lot of our meetings are with people from other industries, just following what they're doing, as well as really focusing how they're being responsive. I mean, a lot of us, almost everybody, have to look at cutting our expense model, you know, how we do business. So when it comes to the software that we're so reliant on, and it seems like technology is changing every day, I I like to find out how others are dealing with that. Um, You know, an example is the going to the cloud versus continuing with upgrades and those types of things. And, and trying to make a decision of the best approach because it's it's uh, you're really making a big decision when you go one way or the other as to where you're going to be investing your resources and and need to have um, staff that uh, are able to maintain those systems. So I, I look to other industries in that respect, um, and then also just what's going on in in like property development and again, public-private partnerships, because even those are expanding to areas that I might not have thought of in the past. And, uh, you know, and then being able to assess it in terms of we're still, we're still, you know, part of a, a, of a state entity, uh, need to be conservative, need to be careful with taxpayer money and student tuition. So um, a lot of risk-based assessments. Anything else you'd like to share today, Stacy, that I've neglected to ask? Well, I would just like to say it has been a rewarding and satisfying career, and I've really been interested in attracting others to this profession. Um, I have been part of the um, the uh, future CBOs, and I really enjoy talking with people there and hoping that others will look to this as a career because, in all honesty, you can come from a lot of different areas of not just the university, but even from other industries and um, really have a good career in higher education. And I think that I think that we need good people to come in and uh, help support these institutions. To that point, what do you think is the biggest barrier to people entering higher education as a career? Uh, my concern is that 
people don't view that as one of the, you know, you know, they don't, they don't come out of school thinking, oh, you know, I really want a career in higher education. Maybe those who have been working at the university, but we've even recruited from, you know, our own, say, college of business or public administration. And um, admittedly, not many, a lot of students say, yeah, I really hadn't thought about higher education as a career. So I think we could do a better job of attracting, um, you know, people early in their careers to the institution. We've done a great job here with um, students uh, in the IT side. They, we give them projects to work on, and a lot of them will work for us for a few years before they leave for that really high-paying job in the <laughs> sector. But, um, you know, it's just, I, I find it to be such a, a satisfying career, as well as one where I've been lucky enough to, you know, balance family life and, and professional career and to continue to do to develop, you know, even, um, even in the, where I am in my career now, there's still, uh, new things that I get involved in. I've been serving on, uh, uh, Nakubo boards and, um, you know, in some of the other areas, like I said, with the Oracle projects. So there's still a lot to learn. Always something to learn. Well, and thank you so much, Stacey, for your time today and for sharing a little bit of your learnings with us today. Well, thank you for having me. You can find out more about Stacy and today's episode by visiting the distance learning section of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks in iTunes so that you'll get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Stacy and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks. This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education.